struggled to think of the proper word. Not replace. Rescue. Yes, of course. That was what you did with your friends. Did Mora need rescuing? If Mora had been there on the mountain, Persephone might have been able to say. But if Mora had been there on the mountain, Persephone wouldn't need to say. She sighed deeply. She sighed a lot. I see things. Adam's eyebrows formed either concentration or uncertainty. More than one thing. It's like... like the animals at the barns. I see things. Sleeping. Dreaming, Persephone agreed. As soon as he'd called her attention to the sleepers, they came to the forefront of her consciousness. Three, she added. Three what? Three in particular, she murmured, to be woken. Oh, no, no, two. One should not be woken. Persephone had never been very handy with the concept of right and wrong, but in this case, the third sleeper was definitely wrong. For a few minutes, she and the boy, Adam, she reminded herself, it was so difficult to find birth-given names important, both stood there, feeling the ley-line course beneath their feet. Persephone gently and unsuccessfully attempted to find the bright strand of Mora's existence in the tangled threads of energy. Beside her, Adam was once again retreating inside himself, most interested, as always, in the thing that remained unknowable to him, his own mind. Outside, Persephone reminded him. Adam didn't open his eyes. His words were so soft that the wind nearly destroyed them. I don't mean to be rude, ma'am but I don't know why this is worth learning. Persephone wasn't sure how he thought such a reasonable question could be impolite. When you were a baby, what made learning to talk worth it? Who am I learning to communicate with? She was pleased that he immediately grasped the concept. She replied, Everything. Between. Kala was overwhelmed by how much shit Mora had in her room at 300 Fox Way, and she told Blue this. Blue didn't answer. She sorted through papers by the window, head tilted in consideration. From this angle, she looked exactly like her mother, compact and athletic and hard to tip over. She was weirdly lovely, even though she had unevenly clipped her dark hair all over her head and wore a shirt she'd attacked with a rototiller. Or perhaps because of these things. When had she gotten so pretty and so grown up without getting any taller? This was probably what happened to girls when they lived on only yogurt. Blue asked, Have you seen these? They're really good. Calla wasn't sure what Blue was looking at, but she believed her. Blue wasn't the sort of girl to hand out false compliments even to her mother. Although she was kind, she wasn't nice. Good thing, too, because nice people made Calla irritable. Your mother is a woman of many talents, she growled. The mess was taking years from her life. Kala liked things you could rely on. Filing systems, months with thirty-one days, purple lipstick. Mora liked chaos, such as aggravating me. Kala picked up Mora's pillow. Sensations assaulted her. She felt all at once where the pillow had been procured, how Mora balled it up under her neck, 
the number of tears applied to the pillowcase, and the contents of five years of dreams. The psychic hotline rang in the room next door. Kala's concentration fluttered away. Damn it, she said. She was psychometric. Just her touch could often reveal both an object's origin and the owner's feelings. But this pillow had been handled so often that it contained too many memories to sort through. If Mora had been there, Kala would have been able to easily isolate the useful ones. But if Mora had been there, she wouldn't have needed to. Blue, get over here. Blue theatrically clapped a hand on Kala's shoulder. Immediately, her natural amplifying talent sharpened Kala's ability. She saw Mora's hopefulness keeping her awake. Felt the impression of Mr. Gray's shadowed jaw on the pillowcase. Saw the contents of Mora's final dream. A mirrored lake and a distantly familiar man. Callus sneered.